Hot Cool Roll-In. 30 Days to Life is the name of our series, and uh, I put a little twist on it in your notes. While you're grabbing them right there, let me welcome all of our campuses, not just here at Lone Tree, but Highlands Ranch, Castle Rock, those that live stream, those that will listen later this week, later this month, however you hear this message, we really are pleased that you tune in, that you're part of the greater JFC family. Uh, Really, feel strongly that God's got some good things for all of our campuses. I don't want just where we teach live to be the only place that really gets it. I think this is something for uh, every one of our campuses, I think that Highlands Ranch and Castle Rock are really going to latch on to um, this thought here. Now, folks, here's what we're doing. Most people that teach 30 Days to Life, it's taught with this idea. If you only had 30 days to live, what would you do different? And I thought, I, I thought that was a pretty interesting question because we asked our staff just real quickly when we were coming up with the series and we were kicking things around, what if we did a 30 Days to Life? If you only had 30 days left, would it simplify things? Would it make things really clear? What, what, what would you say to people? Would you be nice to people suddenly? And if you knew you were going to stand before God in 30 days, what would change? That, that was kind of the thought right there. But then I, I need to be honest with you. I think to, so many times that's just an emotional response. And, and I'm not so sure that God isn't able to look, you know, Janet, he's able to look so much deeper than our emotions to our heart. And he wants to do heart stuff with us that's just, that's when it gets, uh, that's when it gets good. So we looked at this and we reversed it. Instead of saying, if you only had 30 days to live, we, we're going to ask this question. This is what the series has really gone into in the last couple of weeks. What can your life be like in 30 days? If you gave God 30 days, how much stuff can get done in 30 days? And I think a lot of times we, we tend to think, well, it, it's the old Jesus talked about sowing so much and that it takes time for things to root up. I think that's true. But let me give you a, another example that Jesus gave us. A man who had a thousand demons in him. The Bible says Jesus rode to one side of the lake, got out of the boat knowing that there was a naked demoniac waiting for him. How many of you intentionally head towards that person when you're about to do ministry? I think most of us, any pastor in this room probably thinks to themselves, let me see if I can't get the new guy on call to handle that one. (laughs) So Jesus intentionally finds this guy. Here's what this guy is known for. This guy is known for, um, they can't, they bind him, but he is so strong He demonically is so strong, he can break the chains. And then the Bible says he cuts and scratches himself to where he bleeds profusely. And we live in a time and a day where people cut themselves and bleed. Uh, We think it's some new phenomenon. Look back 2,000 years ago, it was an ongoing issue. And here's what I think. I think the enemy, when he possesses the body of the individual, hates the individual so bad, he drives them to destroy themselves. The, the ultimate end is destruction of the flesh. That's what he, what he wants. So Jesus, uh, this guy is known for uh, this strength. He will not wear clothes. No matter what they do, he will not wear clothes. And uh, he, he barks at the moon, so to speak. He howls, he yells, he scares people, he beats people up, and he lives amongst the tombs. This is, this is not where you would typically go to find a disciple. Do you know what I'm saying? Everything sets up for the opposite of what you're looking for. And yet Jesus sails directly into this guy. And if you know the story, he gets out of the boat and the demoniac comes running up to him, falls before him. But the demon speaks, what do you have to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? It's not yet our time. And the rest of the story goes that Jesus casts the demons out. It's a really powerful story. Um, He goes back to his hometown to tell everyone 
what happened to him. And then the very next time that we pick up the picture of the demoniac, here's what the Bible says. He's clothed in his right mind and sitting at the feet of Jesus. What a difference when you encounter Jesus. And I'm not sure that the Jesus that we, we in church are having people encounter, if they're still stuck over such insignificant things as, you know, I, I, just, I just can't see giving up uh, on, online pornography. I gotta, what Jesus are they meeting? The one that I met changed everything and he is a deliverer. Now I know that deliverance comes in, it's not always instantaneous. Sometimes it is through the, the reinforcement of the word, but Jesus is all powerful. Here, here's the point that I bring to you. He's sitting at, at the feet of Jesus, dressed in his right mind, and this is what he tells Jesus, please let me come with you. But Jesus tells him no. He says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go back to your hometown, and I want you to tell everyone what happened to you. My, my point is simply this. Jesus did not put this guy through Bible school, seminary, or six months to find out if he really met his commitment. He had this encounter and he said, while you're in the middle of your encounter, why don't you go back and tell everybody about what I've done for you? Now, this is really amazing. Jesus leaves there. We pick the story up. I, it's not exactly how much longer later uh, in the Bible. It could be months. It, it could be uh, weeks. But it is, a, it is a definite period of time. Um, when Jesus left that region, the people there because of everything that took place and the, the, the demons that were cast into the swine and they ran down the hill, the whole thing, the people there begged Jesus, please leave us, please leave us. Now remember, this guy becomes the president of the Jesus fan club. Okay, that's why he is now left in this town. You are the president of the Jesus fan club and here's your job, you need to sign everybody up to be a part of the fan club. The next time Jesus comes back to that area, when he left, they were begging him to leave. Get out of here, we don't want you here. The next time he comes back, they meet him at the shoreline and they're begging Jesus to stay amongst them as long as he can. What took place? This guy was an evangelist. This guy got it. This guy understood that in 30 days, everything can change. 30 days with Jesus. That's really what we should call this. 30 days with Jesus changes everything. And I'm not sure that what we're doing today, maybe 30 days in church doesn't help anybody. <laughs> yow. The preachers in the room go, yow. But it's true. If the church can get them to experience Jesus, it's okay. But if all we do is turn them on to 30 days of church, I'm not sure that they're any better. We might get them dressed. <laughs> And then again, when I look around on Sunday, maybe not. So there's another, and a worse one, the worst one, Highlands Ranch. There, okay, so, so, Castle Rock, we just don't expect much, but Highlands Ranch, we expected more. All right. <laughs> what can your life be like in 30 days? So here, here's what we're going to say. Uh, we're looking for life in 30 days. I put under the transition point right there. Um, let me tell you what I think is essential. What, if you do these things, your life can be radically different in 30 days. How do you know? Because I experienced this. I am not teaching theory. I am not giving you book learning. This did not come from a professor or from another pastor. This is what God did for me. Hearing is essential for life. Say that with me. Hearing is essential for life. 
Here's what I know. When God speaks, it creates. One of the attributes of God is that he is creative. He's the creator, but he is creative. And the reason that humans, above all other creation, can create is because we've been made in the image and the likeliness of God. Now, now I, I, years and years ago I did this, and I did it for fun, and every once in a while I'll just repeat it. Uh, all of nature has the ability to be creative. The difference between what man can do and what nature can do is in the design behind it. So for instance, a bird has been pre-programmed to create. They create a nest, but a bird never changes the nest over the millennium. It stays the same. A bird never goes, hey, I need a two-story. <laughs> a bird never says, I need a garage. When a bird has more little baby birds, they never think, let's do a room addition, split level. <laughs> Can we put on, uh, you know, birds don't think that way. Birds are creative, but in a limited way. So here's my question to you. Humans, how much has creativity changed amongst humans in the past 50 years? Look at automobiles, look at houses, look at clothes, look at, look at uh, music. We are very creative because we've been stamped in the image of God. Okay, one of the ways that when God wants to be creative, what he does is that he speaks. I went back to Genesis 1 and just counted nine times in Genesis 1 these words, faith and God said. When he wanted to create something, I believe that he thinks it first. Here's how I think the creativity in God's order works. I think that he sees it in his head and then he says it with his mouth. Does that make sense? I think that God can look at it. Proverbs says that he's able to measure it out, weigh it out, design it, but then he speaks for it. That's wisdom. So God, by his very nature, when he speaks, it creates. Now, this is what I want to tell you and why I think and make the statement that hearing is essential for life. When God speaks to you, you hear and you will create. When God speaks to you, you hear and you will create. I'll give you an example. There was a guy not too far from Genesis 1 named Noah. Noah lived in a, in a wicked day, in a wicked time. In fact, the Bible says that God looked down on his creation and actually regretted that he had made it. Those are pretty... I don't know in all of Scripture if there's more sad words than those words right there. God regretted that he made man. But the Bible says that Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. So God drew close to Noah, the Bible says, and whispered in his ear. And he said, Noah, I want you to build an ark. Now, folks, there never was an ark up until this time. And I, I take, I'm going to give away a little bit of my age. I'm 47. I grew up as a fan of Bill Cosby. Anybody else remember Bill Cosby? And Bill Cosby on records, no less. Do you remember records? <laughs> LPs, long play records, comedian. I, Bill Cosby was one of the funniest guys you could ever meet. And Bill Cosby did the thing on, you know, Noah and God. And he was really funny, but that's not the way that it was. In fact, the Bible describes it this way, is that the Lord drew close to Noah. And in the actual Hebrew language, uh, you know, forgive, forgive the vernacular, but this isn't mine, it's in the Bible. The Bible calls the word of God, when he draws intimately close, spur ama. Spur ama. When God speaks to you, it's a seed that connects with your spirit so that when he says it, you become creative because you heard something from God. Without it, you may want to be creative. And a certain part of you is creative because you were created in God's image, but there's a lot of people out there just doing stuff who never heard anything from God, wasting their time wondering why their lives aren't coming together. 
What you need to live is to hear a word from God because as soon as you hear it, your whole life will take care of itself when you hear the word of God. Did you hear that? Oh, one word from God is worth a lifetime of labor. One word from God can take you from 20 to 100 and you never have to look back. You may ask from time to time, am I on the right course? And of course, what does the devil come to steal? He comes to steal the very promise or the word or the seed that was given to you. When Jesus was baptized, he came up out of the Jordan. The Bible says the, the heavens were open and the Father spoke the word to the Son. You are my Son, whom I'm well pleased. I love you. He's immediately led into the desert. The enemy comes to Jesus and he says this, if you are the what? What was the word from God? You are my son. But the devil comes to challenge or to take the word. Your job is once you get the word to hold on to it. The devil's job is to try to take the word. If you hold the word, it can take you your whole life. Does that make any, any sense? So, so the, the only... Um, the, the only deference I would give to that is if God gives you an assignment, you complete the assignment, then you need a new word. But sometimes, here's the deal, God gives you an assignment for life. I felt like I got an assignment for life. I felt like when he called me to be a pastor, it was an assignment for life. I had a conversation <clears throat> earlier uh, with a man that I respect, and I was just asking him, and he, here's, here's my deal. I, I do never, <laughs> I, I've got friends that run in really big circles. Um... Man, they're nationally known speakers. They speak all over the country. They speak in all of these different things. And I run under the radar, and my friend and I were talking about it, and sometimes I feel guilty, like I should be more high profile. I should give myself more to these things. But my friend pointed this out to me. He said, you know what you do? You, you have your call, and you never use it as a stepping stone for your own ego to become... You like... I like my life. I like being home at nighttime. I like loving my wife. I like being there. I like pastoring a local church. Does that make sense? The call that God gave me, I missed 25 plus years now. I've never grown bored with my call. I, I, I think I'm going to retire a pastor. Or a rapture out of pastor. One, 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 two. When you hear the voice of God, it causes creativity. Genesis 6, 13 first part of 13 and 14 it says this and God said to Noah make yourself an ark the proof that when God speaks to you you'll do it is the fact that this man who never knew what that was did it now here's what's really cool Noah took a hundred years in the New Testament Peter says it took Noah 100 years to build an ark let me ask you a question how many of you would spend 100 years on a project <laughs> now all the wives here are like He's already taken like 50. <laughs> Just trying to clean a garage or paint the bathroom. <laughs> I say to you, a real word from God will interest you. For the, if it's a real word, it will pierce you to your soul to no matter what you do with your life, you can't get away from it. No matter how much you fill your life with it, it'll wake you up at nighttime, it'll turn you around, it'll get your attention. Keith Green said, like a foolish dreamer who builds a highway to the sky, all his hopes would come tumbling down, and he never knew just why, until one day, you pulled away the clouds that hung like curtains over my eyes, and I could see, and I can tell you for a fact, you can spend your time trying to make a lot of money, but if God called you to something else, it'll always, always never satisfy you. It'll pull you back to the place that I called you to do this. You're better to surrender to it than you are to chase something that's in the wind. 
put down in here. Genesis 6, God said to Noah, make yourself an ark. Noah did it. There's a power that comes when God speaks. In fact, the Bible tells us clearly, any word from God comes with power. One of the places we find that to be true was with Mary, a 14, 15-year-old virgin. We, we truly don't appreciate Mary's story. The reproach that Mary was willing to bear to honor God's word, in my mind, is remarkable. Mary had no scriptural precedent to point to that this is how God moves. I want you to think about that for one second. Mary could not thumb her Bible back to a place where a virgin had a baby. In fact, Mary could have been stoned for being pregnant and stoned for ever saying that God did it. Mary had no scriptural precedent to ever point to that this is how God moves in a person's life. She bore the reproach for the sacred name of Jesus Christ. I admire that. I admire that. There's power that comes with the Word of God, the power that makes you do what otherwise is impossible. The power itself is contained in the Word. Uh, when the angel Gabriel... You know, Gabriel, Gabriel's an interesting character. I don't have any time to talk about Gabriel. But Gabriel stands in the presence of God. And whenever Gabriel's asked a question that's kind of an incredulous question, Gabriel's answer is, is the, here's Gabriel's standard answer. I stand in the presence of God. Like that answers everything. <laughs> well, I suppose it does. What he's really saying is, you don't stand there, so you don't know. So you're asking this ignorant question. Maybe I'll just kill you. It, <laughs> I stand in the presence of God. So Mary, Mary gets this word. Gabriel's dispatched to Nazareth to Mary, a man betrothed, or a woman betrothed to a man named Joseph. And the word of the Lord is, you have found favor. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. The Most High will overshadow you. And you will become pregnant with the Messiah. And you will give birth. And I said to you, there's no scriptural precedent, only faith. Mary did Mary did what every human... If people ask you, is the Bible real? Look at the response, because it was a very real response. How can this be? Seeing I've never even slept with a man. Gabriel's answer, I stand in the presence of God. Any word... Listen, this is the literal translation. Your translation will read, nothing is impossible with God. It's a bad English translation. The literal Greek translation is no word from God is void of power to make it a reality. So let me, let me, let me, when the angel says nothing, the word nothing means no rhema. Nothing literally translated as no rhema. Mike, listen to this. No spoken word from God is without power. Dude, if God spoke it, it will blow up, blast up, build up, connect, impregnate, speak, drive, grow. What it, it, you don't have to do anything except hear the word and it'll change everything. And you know what a lot of believers today do? They get a word and then they want to try to connect power to it. And that's how you know they don't really have a word. So, so how about this? The angel comes to, um, to Abraham and Sarah and tells them, 
hey, about next year at this time, you're going to have a son. And Abraham and Sarah are way past childbirth years. So they laugh about it. They giggle about it. The angel goes away. And Sarah says, here's what I want you to do. Sleep with my maidservant, Hagar, in order to fulfill the promise of God. Anytime we try to become the power trying to help God, we really mess things up. If you really have a word from God, sit back and just hold on to the word. Don't convince anybody and don't help God. Or else you'll get a little Ishmael. (laughs) And there's another story. Let me just say this. Hearing is essential for life because when God speaks, it creates. How about this? Faith comes by hearing. New Testament. Faith comes by hearing. Paul writes to the Romans in 1017. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by what? Okay, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Let me ask you a question. What is real faith? What is real faith? We live in a world, uh, especially in a church age, where real faith is taught more of a Star Wars Jedi phenomenon where we have, it's, it's really Eastern mysticism, and faith for many people is, if I can just believe it hard enough, I can make that thing come to me. Rise. Rise. Here's the problem with that. You have no power to do that. So that kind of faith will let you down constantly. That's fake faith. And people that teach that kind of faith don't ever exercise that kind of faith because it's unprovable faith, but they tell other people to do it, and then they just tell them, well, you didn't have enough faith, that's why it didn't work for you. It's true. That's not the kind of... Real faith comes by hearing. If you want to have faith, you don't go home and decide for anything. Betty, you do not go home and go, you know what, I need a new car. So I'm deciding I'm going to have faith for a new car. That is not faith. It's desire. It could be good desire, but it's not faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. And the word there is both logos, what you read, and rhema, what you hear. Both are possible to bring faith to a believer. So let me, let me just handle this very quickly because I think that this is important. Um, uh, when I ask the question, what is real faith? Real faith is when you've heard something from God. Let's, let's talk about moving in the miraculous. We are seeing... Uh, a lot of healings inside of our church right now. I got a whole other uh, report from uh, Pastor Ben Binger here recently. And I don't even know what the report is, but he called my number and he was so excited. <laughs> just like, you just got to hear. Just, you have to hear more healing, more healing. And I, I can't wait to hear what, what it was. The doctor at Castle Rock who, who, who emailed us uh, a couple of weeks ago and said that Uh, the person with the intestinal cancer that is healed. And he's a doctor reading the radiology report. He said, there is no other explanation except that we're seeing that. Kim Kim gives me a report, Kim DeMay, our prayer pastor, uh, weekly almost, of backs, our knees, our necks being healed, headaches being healed, things that are just, we're seeing healing rise in our church. Why? I think, last year I looked at it and I said, I'm never preaching about it, I'm never talking about it, I'm never praying about it. No wonder no one's getting healed. No wonder. Faith comes by? Hearing. If we don't say, it's not that we don't believe in healing, but if we're not praying, talking, and expecting, no one gets healed. And no one's against it. Everybody wants it, but no one has faith for it. The book of James says, if there's any sick among you, let them call for the elders of the church. The elders should lay hands on them, anoint them with oil, and pray the prayer of faith. Do you know what that means? They've heard from God. They've heard from God. 
So this is, what is real faith? Let's talk about moving in the miraculous very quickly. Can I ask you a question? How many of you believe in the raising of the dead? Don't you be honest with me. Some of you are like looking next to, okay, all right, I'll do it. So I want you to be honest. Do you believe in the raising of the dead? Can I point out two things to you? This is very, very critical. Um, Were were you, when you you came to God, did he heal you or did he give you new, new life? Is there any confusion on this issue? Which one did he give you? No, it's very important. When, when you came to God, did God just help you have a better life? Did God help you get your act together? Did God help you reform? Did God help you become nice? Or were you dead in your trespass? Were you dead in your trespass? And did God give you new life? Then you must believe in the resurrection of the dead. You started that way. Why would you back up now that you're living in what God has done for you? Does that make sense to him? So of course you must believe in the resurrection of the dead. The Bible says, read Hebrews chapter 11. That what, a, what a powerful expose of people who got their dead back to life. I listened to a man named David Hogan from Louisiana, by the way, where we know that all God's men come from originally. <laughs> a great anointing there. If you don't understand that, just take it by faith. Here's, here's David Hogan's ministry is to see the raising of the dead. And he's got over 300 verified reports of people that have come back to life. That's an amazing, magnificent ministry. Of course it's controversial. Of course people shoot at him. I've never, people shot at Jesus left and right. You can't do miracles and not have people go, oh, you're, that's not for the church today. That's crazy. That's wrong. You know what's really funny? The household of faith take the first shot. Isn't that funny? Usually because they're not getting a word from God. So let me just talk about this real quickly. He's got this great ministry. I don't have that ministry. But I do believe. I do believe that God can do that. I do believe that Jesus is Lord over the dead. I believe that the cross meant that the enemy had to give back the keys to death, hell, and the grave. And that Jesus even said, the last enemy to be conquered is death. While I believe it has already been done in time and space until it plays out here on the earth, we live with the result of a fallen world, which is death and sin. But I do believe God interrupts that process from time to time and people have been brought back to life. So I got to thinking, God, if I never pray for this, how's it ever going to happen? Now, I, I do not have a ministry where I feel like the Lord told me every Friday night, go down to the funeral parlor and start praying for people. I don't feel like the Lord ever said that to me. But I've done this long enough to have friends people that I know and people go to my church die and if families will let me I ask can I pray for resurrection not every family is open to that you'd be very surprised how difficult I'll tell you what's really difficult you'd be very surprised how difficult a municipality makes it for you to get in and lay hands on a body that's a weirdo deal but I had a buddy I was on staff with years and years ago and uh he, he, he was an older man than I was, and he, uh, he liked to sail. He was with his children, and he jumped in the water, and the water was really cold. Uh, this is up in, in Loveland. And he had a massive heart attack. 
And by the time they got him to shore, he had quit breathing. They were trying CPR and on and on and on. They couldn't get him. Brought him over to the hospital. We all got the call. I think, I think the entire staff met there almost, almost at an identical time. They had him in a back room where they had worked on him. And I went back there, and he was cold. His name was Larry. And uh, his wife did believe. He left behind young children. And I, I, I said, um, I said, Debbie, are you open for me going in there and laying hands on him? And she said, I wish you would. I went back in that room and, you know, you know, sometimes we just read things in the Bible. We just don't have the boldness to try it. Uh, Paul laid on a dead man one time. So I laid on the guy. I just laid on him. I just called his spirit out. I just said, if it's even possible for you to come back, come back. And I didn't get anything. I got up off of that body. And I felt more foolish than I felt more faith. I don't know if anybody knows what I'm talking about right now. I felt really foolish. And I felt like I'm never going to do that again. And I felt like the devil was standing on the side laughing. And I just decided right then and there, it's just a numbers game. What do you mean by that? I'm going to keep praying for people until I finally get one who hears. That's right. It's just like praying for healing. It's a numbers game. Not everybody I pray for gets healed, but some do. I'm going to, Jesus never said everybody gets healed when you pray. What he said is, ask, seek, knock. Keep on asking. I think it becomes really important on this level. Let me teach you something. This is difficult. This is, this is meat, not milk. This is hard to discern. I had a young lady that was killed tragically in an auto accident. And her mom, her dad, oh, they wanted resurrection as you could you'd want the same thing she's a young girl and I flew to where the body was and petitioned to get in to see the body and um, here was the deal this time while I believe that God can one of the things I've learned is to listen if God is saying I want to do this because faith comes by Faith doesn't come because you decide that's what you want. Faith comes by hearing. So this time I asked the Lord, do you want this? And I got a call from my wife right then. I was about 4,000 miles away. She said, John, I just had a vision. I need to let you know what the vision is. She said, I saw the young lady, and she's in heaven. And Jesus asked her if she wants to come back, and she said, no. He told her, if you go back, your body is broken and you will hurt, or you can stay here, and this is... And she said, John, I only caught a glimpse of it, but it was magnificent. And then we listened to some kid last night who died and went to heaven. It's a New York Times bestseller. It comes from a Christian family. It's not a weird book at all. It's called Heaven's Real. Read the book. Little, little kid reports details on heaven. There were no other way he could know. No other way that he could know. I'm just going to tell you something. Heaven is breathtaking. And when you and I sit here and think, well, why don't people want to come back to life? I think because they're finally with Jesus, why would you? <laughs> this life is not so great. And there, listen, a thousand years ago and two thousand years ago, believers lived in a day and an age and a time where they longed to be with Jesus. We live in a day and an age and a time where we long to have stuff. 
I bet your stuff is going to look so ugly when you finally see Jesus. And guess, he's not going to reject you, by the way. It's not going to be one of these ugly rejection things where, where, oh, Lord, I blew it. I think he's going to put his arm around you and go, it's okay. I love you. I've waited for you to be here. The kid told this story. This, this little kid that died, he told the story. His mom had a miscarriage. This was the most amazing thing. Chris and I just didn't know how to handle this. His mom had a miscarriage, and the mom had decided that the boy was too young to know about this miscarriage. So they never told him. And the boy is in heaven, and his sister, who he never knew, came up to him. And the boy said it looked like his sister who's on earth, who's alive. And he said he knew her. He knew who she was, and she knew who he was. And he said, I didn't know I had a sister. And she said, I died in mom's womb, but I've been here ever since, and it's really good. Really good. And they asked the kid, do you want to go back? And what was his answer? He said, no. But he looked right at Connie Chung. I think it was Connie Chung doing the interview. Whoever it was on that. And he said, if I didn't come back, you wouldn't hear me tell you that heaven is real and that Jesus is real. He's witnessing on national TV. Sounds like powerful. Now, what do I, what do I want to say? I, I had this girl in the same situation. Chris gives me that word. And I had asked the Lord, do I pray for the resurrection dead? And the Lord had not spoken to me. He remained silent. And I knew I did not have the faith to raise someone from the dead. Do you hear me? It's easy just to assume carte blanche on everything God wants to do. I want to say this to you. Maybe it's why so many believers are disappointed in the supernatural because we assume rather than ask God, what do you want to do in this situation right here? And then listen for God to speak. Is that just possible? Is it even just possible? And if you go, Pastor man, you just don't seem like very word of faith. You're nuts. When's the last time you prayed for someone dead? <laughs> I've done it at least a half dozen times. One of these days, I can't think of a more powerful testimony than to tell somebody, God raises people from the dead. And I was down at the morgue this week, and I prayed for this guy, and here he is right here. Stand up. What are people... <laughs> How powerful would that be? How powerful would that be? I'll give you the last one. When God speaks, it creates. Faith comes by hearing. 30 days, 30 days of hearing God's voice. Look at me. If you will practice listening for 30 days, it'll change your life. I promise. I'm not guessing, I'm not selling, I'm not preaching, I promise. 30 days of listening to Jesus will change your life. And I want to point this out to you. Some people are reading the Bible thinking, if I just read enough, if I just read enough, I'll hear his voice. Jesus never said, my sheep will know my book. <laughs> Jesus said, my sheep will know my Now you can hear his voice in the book, but what many people do is just try to read the scripture and not listen. You've got to learn to listen for his voice. So when God speaks, it creates. Faith comes by hearing, last but not least, words of life. You just, let me show you something that the Lord showed me I thought was really cool. In John 6, 68. This, this was not a good day for Jesus Ministries International. He had thousands of followers, and then he stands up, and he says, unless you drink my blood and eat my flesh, you can't be my followers. 
The Bible says people found that to be a very hard thing to understand. So many of his disciples turned away. Can you see the disciples that stayed and what they must have thought? Like, don't, don't you, can you see what people would do in that situation? Like, hey, Jesus, can you add a little addendum to this? Like you're talking about communion, remind them. Can you help us out here? We're losing folks. And Jesus doesn't flinch. He doesn't back up. He doesn't apologize. He doesn't soften it. He doesn't go, let, let me, hang on, hang on, hang on. You know what? Judas is driving me crazy. Let me say, let me, let me say it this way so that you can understand. He just goes, you want to be my disciple? Eat my flesh and drink my blood, and then you're worthy to be my disciple. And they found it absolutely detestable, and at that point, thousands walked away. And Jesus, in a moment, I don't think so much of humanity as much as I think it's just the honest, like, wow, turns to the disciples that remain, and he says to them, are you going to go away too? And if Peter, for all of Peter's bravado, and all of Peter's mistakes, and all of Peter's whatever, Peter says some of the most powerful words in scriptures. Simon Peter answered him, John six sixty eight, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of, read it out loud with me, eternal life. You have the words of eternal life. The reason you need to hear the voice of God is because it contains eternal life that feeds you here and now for then and there. Let me, let me throw it this way. In John chapter 11, the Lazarus revival, Jesus had a really good friend. And they sent message to him and they said, hey, your friend whom you love is dying. You better get here. And Jesus waited three more days to make sure that Lazarus was dead. And when the three days was up, Jesus told the disciples, let's go see Lazarus. And they got the report, hey, or they got the report, Lazarus is asleep. Sleep is a metaphor for death. So the disciples, they don't get it. They go, hey, don't bother Lazarus if he's sleeping. He's probably getting better. And Jesus goes, no, he's dead. And it's good for you that he is because you're about to see a miracle. Jesus shows up in Bethany. Mary and Martha talk to him. Jesus talks about, I'm the resurrection, I'm the life. Though you believe in me, even if you were dead, yet shall you live. It's used at funerals over and over and over again. Here's the part that I want to concentrate on. Jesus asks where they laid the body. He comes to the tomb. He weeps because he loved Lazarus. The Bible says this, Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was laying. Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me and know, and I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now when he had said these things, he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, Loose, them, loose that man and let him go. Let me just point out just, just three quick things to conclude this message. Number one, when, when Peter said to Jesus, You have the words of eternal life, he meant more than these are just words that touch our spirit. What he meant is, We have seen you speak to death and people come back to life. How could we ever walk away from that? Number two, Jesus' job is always to speak to death. He has overcome death, hell, and the grave. What's your job? Help people coming out of death shed all the grave clothes that bind their lives. 
Never be someone who's afraid of grave clothes. Last but not least, let me just point this out to you. What do you think Judgment Day is going to look like, Jonathan Murley? Let me tell you what it's going to look like. Whether it's the rapture, whether you die, no matter how it ends up, the Bible says it will be a trumpet sound, but it is the voice of Christ that will cry out, and he will cry out your name. John, you'll hear his name on that day, and here's what's going to happen. There's resurrection power in the voice of Jesus. He will say, Jonathan, come forth. And every molecule and fiber of your being will come together from wherever it is in all of humanity to form the real you. Not even the you that sits here right now that's perishing, but the real you that's imperishable. And you will walk out. Rebecca, you, listen to me, it could be in a situation where it's not favorable and it didn't look good and how could God do it? Because any word that comes from God has the power to make it so. We sit here going, I don't get it. You getting it is not necessary for God being able to do it. All he has to do is say, Rebecca, I rebuke death, and you come to life. Todd, all Jesus has to do is look at your death and tell death to go the other way, and you live. And now I say this to you, Donna, that God speaks life over you right now. The same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in you. He resurrects from the dead and he does it in our lives now and we don't have to wait till the judgment day to live. We get to live now. He breaks off of us all of death and it may be the enemy who hangs that smell and that pall and that death hook on us. One look from Jesus and death must flee. And that's why I speak to you 30 days with the voice of Jesus. You'll live. You can't help but live. And the difference is life and death life and death 30 days not 30 days to live 30 days what could your life look like if you were living I would say to you if you began to live everybody else around you would live you know really that's the best part of living is that you become contagious when you're full of death you're contagious but when you're full of life, you're contagious. Jesus speaks to our death. Where's your sting? Where's your victory? It's all been overcome. Hear his voice speak to you. No problem is too far. No sin is too great. And no life is too lost. That here or then... Jesus isn't Lord over death. Amen. Amen. So Lord, that is exactly where we leave this message at. You are Lord over life and you have put death under your feet. And Lord, I pray right now, anyone, anyone in any of our campuses, anyone listening in their car, at their house, at their work, while they're walking or they're jogging or, Lord, at some inopportune time where all of a sudden they find themselves uh, in the presence of God. Lord, I ask right now that any person who needs life, you would give it. And so if you're in my earshot, here's what I would ask you. 
Do you have the life of God inside of you? It's just a very simple question. I didn't ask you if you go to church. I didn't ask you if you were a nice person. I didn't ask you if you read the Bible. I asked you if you have the life of God inside of you. Pastor, how do I have the life of God? You invite life into your death. There's a great trade that God wants to offer you. He will take your death and give you life. I said it a little while ago. You are dead in your trespass. You are dead in your sin. You need a savior, and I know one. He loves you, he cares for you, and he offers up to you his life if you want it. What do I have to do to receive that? What you have to do is to say to God, be merciful to me, I want your life. God, take my death and give me your life. God, right now I will trust that you love me and have made it possible so that it's so. Wherever you are in the room, if you just simply acknowledge it by raising your hand right now, I'll pray for you. I won't pull you out. I won't embarrass you. I won't send you anyplace. I simply want to pray for you. You say, Pastor, that's me. And I need the life of God. I've never asked for it before. And I'd like you to remember me in your prayer today. I want you to do that. Father, for every man and woman finds themselves asking for your life, give them your life right now. They're sitting in a car, walking on a beach sitting with their family in a dorm room at some college or hearing it at a church, wherever they are as the Holy Spirit speaks to them, God, do what only you can do. Be merciful and good to them. Second thing that I would just simply pray for right now, I don't want to be remiss on this and I think it's really important. If you find yourself in a place where where death's taken hold, it's taken hold in your attitude, it's taken hold in your thought life, it's taken hold in what you speak and what you see. It's taken hold in your body. It's taken hold in your relationships. It's taken hold in your finances. It's taken hold all around you and your children. and You see it creeping in. You feel powerless to do anything about it. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke your death. No. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke your death. I tell the enemy to let you go right now. Death is the last enemy to be conquered, but it has been conquered. And in Christ's name, I command that thing, bow its knee to the name of Jesus right now. I ask that the blood of Christ that was shed for you cover you from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. And it put a protection around you so that death cannot penetrate. I ask the Lord watch over you. And in fact, here's what I ask. That God not just get you out of the red. That God gets you into the black. He doesn't just pull you back to even, but He blesses you with His life, the life that He wanted you to have, the abundant life that He died for. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.